Welcome to the Master Movie Podcast, everybody. Ah, ha, ha. Ah. <laughs> that was the worst Joker laugh I've ever heard. You said you were going to do a Joker laugh. It was going to be the best Joker laugh at the beginning of the episode. You guys said, get ready. I'm going to hit record Joker laugh. That was terrible. No, that's not, that, at, all. That's not at all what happened. That was, you, you, the word for word is what you said. Yep, it's true. Word for 100%. Word. That doesn't sound something like I would say. Sounds a hundred percent. I wrote everything down. I put it. I made sure every inclination. I know you, man. I'm in a tree outside your house. I know how you sound. Hmm. Don't think about it. Put two and two together. Four. <laughs> Trust me. How you doing, dude? Okay. Uh, I am rather tired. Are you? And, oh, I. Yeah. I hear. That. I'm not. Gonna, yeah. I'm trying not to complain about it. No, no, you're just letting the tell your voice do it for you. Buddy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm tired too. Yeah, tired too. Grill shopping will do that. Mm-hmm. Shopping for grills will do that. Yeah. Sorry, I'm rather distracted right now. Well. Stop looking at yourself in the mirror. We all know you're pretty. Uh, that's very funny. Um, we all know you're beautiful. It's just a game, man. Fit the matrix. You're beautiful. Exactly. Okay. Um. All right. So nothing happened again. Not really. Actually, I mean, yeah, well. One thing happened, I guess. There is one thing we can talk about. Just the one. Uh, oh, I need to speak up. Wake up. The, fir- wake up. the first ah. Hollywood movie went back to filming this week. What was that? Jurassic World 3 Domination. Domin- Dominion. Dominion. Whatever. Whatever. Domination. <laughs> <You're laughs> going to dominate our, our Listen. Listen. Dinosaur Mega Men or Bust. Okay. I mean, I Chris, still... have you read that William Sales or J- uh, whatever his name Sales script? We've all we've all talked about it in the past episodes, especially when we got to Fallen Kingdom. We laid our, we laid into that pretty, pretty the John good. Sales. By the way, talked that about was it. like my favorite thing. The John Sales script is like the most ridiculous thing ever because it's the Avengers. Jurassic Park edition, and it's really funny. Oh yeah, yeah, we've we've talked about it, and like that's what he's talking about—the elements of that script that they were always supposed to head this way, which I don't think they have the balls for it now. No, I but I wish they did. Oh, I don't dude. think they make raptor soldiers. I just don't. It seems like these animals are going to start taking it out in society a little bit. It seems like we're going to have a rise of the Planet of the Apes thing, and not a turn these dinosaurs into soldiers thing. Let's militarize stuff is not a... Uh, a I'm not going to lie, though. I literally have kept that, that script on my on my, on my my computer for, like, the last, like, two years. And all 117 pages of it make me laugh. And that... I love it. <laughs> that reminds me. Uh, a, a filmmaker I really love named Tim Bruce made two movies. As I said, the filmmaking sucks. Hollywood sucks. Well, he, you know, put out all his concept art and the script for his unproduced movie that everyone was looking forward to. So, Shane Carruth, 
script out there. Go look it up. That's crazy. Speed primer, steam up, steam color. That's awesome. I'm not gonna. Even. I'm not gonna lie. I don't think anything will ever be as crazy as the the, the Jurassic Park script, though. <laughs> I'm not suggesting that it is. I'm just <laughs> that script reminds me of another script that just recently was released by the artist. Really? Yeah, he released it on his own. He's done with film. He's like, yo, guys, have at it. Do what you want. I'm not read the script if you want. It's mine. Don't make it. But I'm not gonna make it. Fuck all of you. Yeah, dude. That that script. Yeah, we about the sales script. Before, when we were talking about when we did Jurassic Park as a thing, we talked about it. Because he didn't know, Chris didn't know about it, and I was like, "This is what they've been—they were supposed to lead to." And then, and then after Vol- Jurassic Park three, that's what they were gonna do. John Sales' script, yeah, yeah. And then my argument, my argument was, is that, and I made this argument to you too, Zach, is that no, they couldn't make it after three. Spielberg stepped in and said. You need to lead up to it, and so they decided to make a couple movies to lead up to this. So maybe, maybe one day I'll stand corrected, and we'll have militarized raptors come in, and they'll be the bad guy. But I don't think we're getting cyborg dinosaurs this time around. I think they tried with the clone girl, but I, yeah. I think that I think they're done. What I don't I know, but they, they put two in the last one. So they may put three in the next. What I think is even greater about that, though is that that script went far enough that they did concept art and, like, clay designs for it. <laughs> no, no, we've talked, yeah, we talked all about this. Yeah, absolutely. That sure. is, that's what, like, shocked me more than anything else you could convince me of. It didn't matter that the script existed. It didn't matter that, like, they talked about it. The fact is, they took it to concept art, and they took Dude, it to modeling. You, <laughs> that's how far it made it. Have you even seen Jupiter Ascending? Have oh. you seen Wild Wild West? Sometimes crazy shit gets past the the, the walls, man. Like dude, talk about the guys. Like, talk about the dudes who made uh, the people who made Matrix. Like they would go on to make Jupiter's. Like the Matrix is amazing, and Jupiter Ascending is like fun and beautiful. But what were you doing? What were yeah. you smoking? <laughs> but like, dude, some of this shit is like, like, like I know we've all seen the images and we've talked about this already, but like. Yep. Yeah, great script. People go out and get something. Like they had to have gotten to the point where they were like someone just looked at them and they're just like, "This is just too crazy." Like, no, I remember you tried to make. This is just too crazy. I remember you tried to make an argument for an entire episode just focused on this script. I remember. I think we could have had enough to talk about too. I know you think we could have had enough to talk about. Yes, I know that. We've had this entire discussion before. It's recorded. God, it's but no, crazy. I agree. Everyone, go find the script because it is insane. It is crazy. It's 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 bat poop and brains. But so is Fallen Kingdom, and so is a little bit of a way Jurassic World. And like those I, were as meant crazy to. As it is, though, I think sales script is crazy. One at a time. Of course, it's crazier, Zach. That's my point. They were trying the Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom to make movies to lead to the ideas in sales script, maybe even a prototype of that script. Because that was my argument before. If you listen to the episodes, that was the argument. They couldn't do that after three. Spielberg knew that. They knew they needed to lead up to those ideas. And yeah. that's why there's a little clone girl roaming around and dinosaurs are free in Fallen Kingdom now. Because now country countries, anybody could grab a dinosaur or a raptor and genetically alter it and make new ones. They still have the tooth and all the uh, things needed 
I'm sorry, not the tooth, but the information to meet a dinosaur. The, the Asian doctor is still out there. Wu is still making these things. So, like, yeah, they still can sell it to military and stuff. It's still possible to happen. But, like, I'm not saying that these movies were crazier. They were meant to legitimize the crazy of that script so that one day it could be a legitimate movie. And I just, that's what we're talking about here. Do they have the balls to do it in the next movie? Chris is saying yes, or at least that he hopes. I'm saying I don't know. And we're asking you what you think, Zach. Do you think they'll have the balls to like have cyborg raptors in the next movie? I'm going to say no. And the reason why is because Colin Trevorrow released... Do you see like the short, the Jurassic World short that he released like six months ago? No, but I heard it was good. That's where I, I think like that kind of idea that they're playing at in there is where we're going to see that movie go more than anything. Um, I don't think we're going to see cuckoo banana brains, dinosaur soldiers running around doing shit. I think we're going to see more random hybrids, kind of like what we've been seeing. But I think... We're going to more in line see a lot of what we saw in that short. By the way, guys, if you know about this short, I don't remember what it's called. It doesn't matter. Uh, go out and see it because it's really good. And it actually kind of it kind of shocked me that it was made by Colin Trevorrow because I don't like that guy's thing. <laughs> Anything. I think he's a good director. I think he's a bad idea, man, sometimes. I think, we, yeah, just. I think he's that short submitted. is really I good, though. That short is like really, really good, though. Safety not guaranteed is really good. Um, yeah. Here's the thing that makes me think it might happen: a Fallen Kingdom. Fallen Kingdom is just the entire second act of that movie defies logic and goes sixty miles an hour to get there. So I okay. anything like, could happen in my mind. And then the other thing is, is they've already genetic. The last two big dinosaurs in these two movies have already been genetically altered killing machines the next thing the next stage has to put some metal in those dinosaurs like that's, the, that's what i'm saying Ooh. yeah that's, I, I, that's, I that's my it. argument that's I my argument what else yeah. could they do what, what's left? like what's the next step right what's left the what else do you know that's an that's army the... of indominus rexes no mega man dinosaurs <laughs> i i Dude, I just don't know. Like that, like so the giant it. humanoid raptor in Amazing Spider-Man, exactly all, like that. Bad CGI and all. All I'm saying is I'm 50-50 right now. I have no. It could Hold go. It. I'll be right back. I got a dog. Like story and stuff like that. Um, I'm all in. It's. I mean, the very fact that they decided to just give a, a the fact that they would change the entire motive. And I, in reason for the invention of the park by Hammond, in this in this last movie, and then give him a secret partner that nobody knew about, and then also have that secret partner have an evil nephew who's been creating an evil lair for auctioning off dinosaurs in the basement, and then also have a clone daughter. Like, come on, they have no, they have no shame, no shame anymore. There's nothing left. Like nothing left. That's all. That's the last thing you've got, and you, you can do it. And then, like, the only other option would be a reboot. Like, but they're not doing that. This is a clear no. sequel. So, like, this has to be like, like, there's no other idea. Like, an like an army of Indominus Rexes. Like, come on. Like, it, it, no. 
they say it's like the end game that for them that like bringing all the people back from the original Jurassic Park and it's like their end game. Everyone's coming back for the end. That also sort of makes me feel like the ultimate goal was to make like militarized dinosaurs and those be the most evil thing out there. Yeah. That that was the peak of the evil. Like you're, if you're going to genetic and then every single, every single fucking movie, there's one guy who's like, we're either going to hunt them because I'm evil or we're going to take them because we're going to make them. That was the whole motive for the last movie was to take them and weaponize them. So to say that that's not possible. Oh man. I'm so, oh man. Oh man. Oh man. I can't wait. Now, now I'm excited. <laughs> I'm going to be so let down when they don't do it, but I seriously want them to do it. There's nothing left. They have nothing I'm, left to do. I'm open for whatever bananas stuff they do. Cause it's going to be bananas. Like if it, the craziest thing to me in the world would be if it was a sensible, uh, fun, good movie. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I expect it to be a shallow buy-in, uh, just like the other two. But at the same time, the, they have a, they have uh, grown exponentially in insanity, and I'm down, I'm down. Like this it is not Jurassic. First. This is just that, like it, it, whenever whenever you go to comic books and there's like the normal Avengers and normal superheroes, and then you have like the noir versions. Or, like, different versions of Spider-Man, like, the multiverse stuff. Like, I feel like that's what this is. I feel like there's, like, Jurassic Park, and then there's Jurassic World, and they're just two different dimensions. Well, like, one dimension, there were two partners, and Hammond had an entirely different reason for building the park. And then there's Jurassic Park, where, like, Hammond wanted to sell dinosaurs to people. That was it. And then shit went bad, and then he became a naturalist afterwards, because he redeemed himself. And then the third movie is just Neil saving a family just like it's just a sensible i'm gonna save a family with my partner and that's it like small scale jurassic park kind of movie because all those movies are just about people getting stuck in an island of dinosaurs these new movies have totally gone different placement uh i I got stuck in a mansion for half a movie because they were having an evil auction downstairs. They were having yes! an auction downstairs that was getting witnessed by a clone. Do- I cannot stress enough how fucking ridiculous Fallen Kingdom is. <laughs> fucking bonkers banana brains. I love the commitment to the insanity of it. That movie is insane. It's one of the greatest insane sequels of all time that also happens to be beautiful to look at. Like, what you guys I, I, there's merit. We're still There's going on to Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> we'll talk about Fallen Kingdom. Oh yeah, because uh, I because that movie's fun, and we're I I just think it's... that like I think there are technical things to enjoy about the sequel Jurassic Park movies, the Jurassic World movies. I think there's technical stuff that's fun, like there's some death and there's some there's some stuff I enjoy about them, but ultimately I don't think that they are good movies. I think they're fucking crazy and i can't wait to see what this next one bringing in the old cast is gonna do so it's just it's just other world jurassic park to be other dimension jurassic park to be it's just it's not connected to those movies at all even if you bring those actors in they're just the different ver- like in this world jeff goldblum is you know jeff goldblum. 
Uh, yeah, okay. well, no, I mean his character. But at the same time, this little difference. Let's be honest, that... Jeff, Jeff Goldblum is Jeff Goldblum in everything he does. Uh, yes, but that, like, that's why I love 80s Jeff Goldblum. That's when he was the, sh- that's when he was the shit. He was, like, the big chill and the fly and this. Like, when he's sitting there with his fucking abs, man, like, Jeff Goldblum so... was a sex symbol. And, yeah, and now he's just, like, <laughs> man, he's, like, your fun uncle. I love it. Um, um yeah. He w- I do love that Jurassic... I love that he... I think Ian is fun going from the first movie to the second movie and then how underutilized he is in, in Fallen Kingdom. He just sits in a courtroom and makes money saying his speech. I love it. I love it. I like... You no, make your money, but, like, the wasted Jeff Goldblum... Fallen Kingdom is insane. Yes. Insane. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I'm... The fact that it's, you know, shooting means we'll get it uh, this crazy movie faster, and Zach is right, we should all watch that short. Because that short is actually just, just great. <laughs> I think I might save it for when the new movie comes I guess it depends on when the new movie comes out, or I'll save it for the next time I watch the two movies again, because I'm yeah. going to watch them again just for the fun. It, uh, I mean, it came out in September last year, so it's it's been almost a year now. Yeah, I just I don't know why I didn't do it, and I may have been the same reason I'm saying now. I'm like, well, next time I watch the movies, I'll watch it in between. It's kind of like watching the the little short because when we get to Fast and Furious, like, you better bet, believe I'm going to do this. After the first movie, there's a short film that they made about Paul Walker going around the USA street racing just for the hell of it before he gets sucked into being a cop again in the second movie. Just like little short films to movies, I think are fun chronologically. Yeah. Oh my god. Really? Oh, there it is. Uh, um, did you watch anything interesting, Chris? No, but I've been in and out of my mom's room, and she's always, like I said, like last few weeks, like uh, she's been watching NCIS, and like I have seriously forgotten how much I love that show. I loved that I show. Like- kind of great in in some ways it's just sad about the behind the scenes nonsense let's be honest here chris you're a mcgee i am a yes mcgee you are i am am a a, no 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 no. you can't call me a mcgee without admitting yourself that you are to a mcgee oh i'm 100% a mcgee we're all mcgee you're the goth girl who does like the who does the um, analytics. You're Abby? <laughs> yeah, she's so specific about shit. She's like, where's my slushie? She's such a control freak. Yeah, like you, bro. Chris is 100% a McGee, though. I am a McGee trying to be a Denozo, but that's more of our Everyone sense. wants to be Denozo, but I don't want to be Denozo because that actor sucks in real life. Can he I be He really does. Can I try to be Ziva? <laughs> no. Was the only gonna, good character. I'm not paying for it. What? Ziva was not for you to be. I'm not paying for you to be Ziva. Okay, that's out of your own wallet. I'm sorry, Cody De Pablo is great. I'm Gibbs. I want to be Gibbs. <laughs> <laughs> is this a Gibbs you? You have to hit us on the back of the head. He's sucking your life like constantly. I want to be Gibbs. You have to hit us on the back of the head like constantly though. Lois, right do you see a wheelchair underneath Mark Harmon? No, you don't, because Mark Harmon is the greatest man that's ever lived. <laughs> um, Mark Harmon okay. is, like, wonderful. 
I'm quoting Family Guy, but at the same I time, know. Mark I, Harmon. I, Mark Harmon I, is great. I I think I'd be a good McGee. I think I I think I want to be McGee, but I'd probably be like everyone. I would really want to be Ziva. I agree. Like Ziva's the coolest. She's the most badass. But at the end of the day, I think I'm just the chick who gets shot in the head by the sniper. Josh Alexander. Season. Yeah, I'm the chick who gets shot in the head by the sniper in the first oh, season. That's very unfortunate. <laughs> But understandable. Uh, she's like, we did, guys. Nah, we we all want to be my common, because my common is 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 a blessed human being. But I I don't know dude. who is the person. I just love that joke on Family Guy. No, it's it really is a good joke. The Mark Harmon joke. It's just like Pierce's joke about how he could take Liam Neeson in a fight <laughs> until he actually has to fight Liam Neeson in a fight. <laughs> Gotta get back to American Dad too. Anyway, go ahead, Chris. <laughs> so I, I um okay. and um I just I was like so usually I go there every once in a while and I go and see what they got for like old video games or um movies or something like that and what I found three movies that we have in consideration right now. Oh. I found Spaceballs. I found oh. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Okay. And I found The Rundown. So I, I want to point out something about Crouching Tiger, and this is just like... All three movies have been brought up on this show as possible. This candidate. is just personal thought about Crouching Tiger. This has nothing to do with like anything that's good or bad. It's like... um. Michelle Yao uh, rubs your head. Yes. <laughs> yes. But, uh, that movie... I, I like that movie, but that movie is so long sometimes and it's so unbearable. Well, so is The Raid. It's a good movie, though. It's, it really is a good movie. I, I don't feel like it's too long. I really do like it. Um, but I'm also a guy who's completely warmed up to, you know, Lawrence of Arabia, for example. So yeah. I like well, it's only two hours. It so, just feels like it goes forever. Oh God, yeah. Like I this was two hours. This was over two hours. Um Matrix, I mean. And also the guy who choreographed Crash and Tiger Hidden Dragon choreographed the Matrix. Uh, yeah. so like Ping, baby, oh. Ping's the best. Uh I will be getting into Ping a little bit. Uh but uh I I, I don't know. I don't think it's too long. I just think I it's... Think the Matrix has a better pace than Crouching Tiger, though. Of course, they're entirely different movies. But, like, Crouching Tiger is not meant to be a fast-paced action movie. It's meant to be more meditative and fantasy and urethral. And that's why House of Flagging Daggers and Hero are the way they are. Like, I... I Ang Lee is, either, is one or the other. Either he's too slow for you, or he's just right. So yes. I, for example, I'm not a fan of The Ice Storm, but maybe I feel like I will be in a few years. But like I feel like that movie's super slow, and yet a lot of people are like that's his masterpiece. But I think Brokeback Mountain looks great. Like Angley's all over the place. Life of Pi is a great movie. Like he's either slow or fast. He's either slow or perfect for me. My the thing about Angley that I've I've come to terms with is that I I love I I, I really 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 do love uh, Life of Pi and. I, my problem with Aang, with Crouching Tiger is my same problem I have with Princess Mononoke at times, is that the movie's only like two hours long, maybe even less in many cases, 
but mm -hmm. it, it just m literally moves at a snail's pace because it, it's trying to really make you feel for every second you're with those characters. And that's great because those movies are really good. They're really, really good. But, oh my God, do they move at a, a snail's pace sometimes? And I'm And all I want is like, all right, I get what you're trying to do here. I do, I do. But just can you please do something else? <laughs> well, it's something that I've started to notice is the case for a lot of fantasy films. And I, I yeah. after rewatching The Dark Crystal, it's the same thing. I was like, I can't get into the slow pace. And then after a while, I was like, this world is gorgeous. I want to live here. I want to relax here. I want to just chill out here. And then I was like, yeah, no, yeah. This whole, the whole vibe is meant to slow you down. And yeah. So you are more absorbent. You are more careful about what you're looking at. And since it's a visual medium... That makes more sense to me. So, like, I, 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 watching a lot of silent films helps too. It's like that's the whole point of early sound. Like, well, if they're not comedy based, we're going to absorb you into the imagery, so you can't look away. Um, and I feel like that's kind of the same thing with Crouching Tiger had a hidden dragon for me in some scenes, where like the just the the rhythm is meant to just sort of be more meditative than anything else and allow you to calm down for a bit. But that's hard to do when people are going around going to see one of the best Kung Fu movies around. And you're like, well, it's a little bit more. Um, yes, I 100% agree. I, I That's just my problem. And there are times where The Matrix is like that, too, in fairness. Oh, boy, are we, are we segueing into it? I mean, if you want to, this is just like if, generic. Did you watch anything else? Yeah. Just the first. I watched. I watched a little bit of Animatrix, but that's because that's just what I'm gonna do. Yeah. Well, I want. I will, I'll talk about that with you a little bit too. But like, yeah, Chris is right. Before we get into that, you you told me earlier you hadn't watched anything else other than Matrix related stuff this week. Yep that that is correct. I actually didn't watch any movies, so which is surprising for me because I usually watch. Lots of other stuff. But this week's been really busy with work and other nonsense going on. And then I like actually had to sit myself down and watch The Matrix, too. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, for me, it was um, Dark Crystal. It's probably the, the thing that I absorbed myself the most in any hey, show. Hey, did it. Uh, yeah, I liked them both. They were both really beautiful. Um, Lord of the Rings meets Team America for 10 episodes. Hold on. Let's go watch it. Dark Crystal's TV show is great. Getting a second season, apparently. I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, and yeah, I watch a lot of YouTube stuff, so not really. I was going to say, I watch like all like Matrix related YouTube stuff that's like been the, the product of my week. Uh, well, then, yeah, I'm willing to go into the Matrix a little bit. Chris, how do you want to approach it? Um, Alex, let's do something we haven't done in a while that I really want to go back to. Which is... All right, let me get out of the tree here and take out my pants and what, what's going on? Alex, who are the Wachowski siblings? <laughs> oh, oh he, he called it correctly. Also, if uh, we say brothers, do not take it the wrong way. It was a slip of the tongue, well, okay? I'm apologizing ahead in advance. I would say you can just say the Wachowskis, or I've gotten used to, like Zach, watching um, extra stuff about this. I've gotten into used to gotten used to other people just going Lana and Lily. Lana and Lily Wachowski. 
That's who they are. That's their names. And or the Wachowskis. So um, they were um, first in construction. They owned a construction business. And while they were writing, while they were doing construction, they were writing scripts. They liked movies. They wanted to break into it. And they were writing scripts as much as they could. And one script called Assassins eventually got made after getting produced by Ron Silver. Ron Silver is uh, amazing. Been in the business for a while. Uh, Joel Silver. I'm sorry, Joel Silver. Ron Silver is a actor who looks like. Yeah, anyway. So Joel Silver <laughs> produced Assassins. It stars Antonio Banderas and Sylvester Stallone. It's not a good movie, but the script is kind of interesting. Um, it would get them the opportunity to make their first movie uh, together called Bound. Bound is a lesbian film noir heist. And it's great. If you've never seen it, it's fantastic. Um, it, they had to push to get it made because studios liked it, but they wanted to change the lead character to a guy. But they stood their ground and were like, no, we're making a lesbian heist film noir. That's what we're doing. The neo-noir, we're going to do this. It does pretty well, and it gets a lot of um, push for their next script, which is The Matrix. The Matrix, after Bound does so well, sells for... Um, uh, giving them a budget for like millions of dollars. So they're like, we got to get a lead. And this is their second movie, by the way, guys. The Matrix is their second movie. That's how sh- that's how quick that story goes. That's insane. That's how quick that story goes. They, like the the thing about Bound that carries over the most is Joe Pantoliano, who would play the Weasley Judas character in this movie. Is in that movie. He's the guy that the two um, uh, lesbian lovers are trying to kill, and uh, he's really great in that movie. Um, and he would help carry on to this one. He's one of the first people to sign up right away. And they wanted Will Smith originally, and Will Smith decided to do Wild Wild West. Go big. <laughs> what's ironic is that his wife. And, what's ironic is that his wife and the Chris calling up. What's ironic is that actually I found out because I, I read about this is that like six months later after they were done shooting and everything, his what they they called him again and asking him if he wanted to do anything in a second, and he said, "Talk to my wife," and that's how Jada Pinkett Smith got hired. Oh my god! Oh so, my god! I didn't know he did it twice. Well, <laughs> I, I think she had tried to get into it too before. Uh, as well, and he was just like, yeah, let her have a shot. By that point, it, uh, he was again also on to another movie too. It's just scheduling conflicts as well. But yes, he turned down the role. It was just one of two biggest turndowns of his career. So and he's far. admitted that 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 is the biggest turndown. I think he said that 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 was probably his biggest turndown in his entire career was turning down the Matrix, and the one that he regrets the most. Yes, more than Django, but he does regret Django. Yeah, but not not like he regrets the Matrix though. No, the Matrix can be seen by everybody. Django, you at least he just didn't want to get involved with the politics of that movie, which honestly he would have been the best choice for it. I love Jamie Foxx, but like Will Smith would have taken it a whole nother level because um, he had the capability to do it. But uh, I think this is the biggest turndown for sure. Like this is a bet like. This is either on par with Django or a better movie for what it's capable of doing and all that's in there. I think the sequel's kind of like ruined a little bit and I think there's some things about Django that aren't perfect but still make it like a fantastically good movie. 
but this can be watched by more people than Django can. So, which is why you would want to be the lead in this war, I think. Uh, but anyway, uh, they they, um, they wanted Val Kilmer for Morpheus. Yeah, I just I was reading about that. Like, what? That's some interesting choices. Um, eventually, they settled on the people that they did uh, for a lot of uh, different reasons. For one, Keanu Reeves' love for kung fu um, and understanding of a lot of the. Um, films that the choreographer had done. The choreographer is amazing in this. He's defined a lot of the action in China in general. He started, he made like Jackie Chan a star. He's amazing. Uh, and Keanu Reeves knew about this guy really well. And Lawrence Fishburne, he uh, had turned down a couple roles and so he had turned down the Samuel Jackson role. Or no, he did not turn it down. Like he wasn't able to based off of outside forces able to get the role of Samuel Jackson's uh, part in Pulp Fiction. Because Tarantino wanted Lawrence Fishburne hardcore. Like, I want that guy. But the studio wouldn't allow it. They wanted Sam Jackson. And Sam Jackson is great and he's continued to work with him. And Fishburne, he's never had a chance. But he's spoken even recently about how much he loves Fishburne. Fishburne had to wait and was like, had been working for a while. Fishburne is in Apocalypse Now. That's what I saw recently. I saw Apocalypse Now. Uh, Chris, you weren't ready for it. Anyway. Uh, I, I was not ready, ready for, it? for it. Okay. Uh, okay. I think you'd be ready for it now, but then probably not. I think if you watched it now, you'd be cool. But, like, there's something about the the way you spoke about it then, and then I watched it, and I was like, nope, this movie's fucked. Anyway. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that movie's, dude, that movie's crazy. And I love it. I, I do well, love uh, it. I am on the edge of, uh, maybe playing Last of Us Part 2, but I'm only on the edge. I haven't made my mind up yet, so I'll let you know what happens. Uh, give you, I'll give you a personal recommendation here, Chris, and take it or leave it as you, as you want. And, and I'm not going to give you any spoilers, but I heard the story is shit. <laughs> I've heard quite the opposite. I've heard the story is absolute dog shit. I heard the opposite. I, from trusted reviewers, I have heard the opposite. I've That's... heard fans say it's shit, then I've heard reviewers say it's shit. Because, I the, heard any... because apparently what happened... Sidetracked. We're getting sidetracked, but... Sorry, the... we have to talk about the last one. <laughs> so... I'm hashtag what to was leaked... So you fucking prepared. What was leaked... Okay. What, like, Just a few up. reviews have said the leaks aren't... Re the, le the leaks aren't true. Like, well, then there you go, because people were pissed about the leaks. That's all I yeah. was saying. Uh, all I know is that I've seen some people like have clips and shit, and from what I've heard, why would you do that? Well, you, the guy who plays Joel told everyone to go in with an open mind, and what is the first thing you do? Not everyone's gonna do with that man, and that's not what Zach does. Not, Zach's, not, Zach's a spoiler, dude. He just I jumps am. into that shit. I I do, but um. I also don't know that much about it, but I, I have heard nothing. Everything I've heard about it is not great. So, I've heard, I've heard... Talk about how the leaks suck, and I haven't had a chance to read any positive reviews or any reviews really about it yet. But I I will I will tell you one thing, Chris. I when, once it's out and after it's been out for a couple of weeks, I'll look back into it and see if I should have a different thought on it. But I have other things I'm more interested in looking at right now, like God of War, because that game's great. I thought it was I thought it was Warzone. So, cuz you keep bugging me about that. 
that that game is perpetually in my mind for one reason or another. Perpetually <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> Wait, didn't God of War come out like a while ago? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Backlog. Like, I mean, uh, I I would say I I'm gonna go with Chris on this so far. If professional, I want to hear professional reviews and not anything about leaks or fan yeah, right. stuff. Yeah, because like that's the stuff I'm not going to trust now. People saying the leaks aren't real. I'd if the reviews are starting to come out now, I would rather go look for people I trust and then see what they say. Especially after what happened with the Last Jedi. Especially then. Well, you like I don't want the Last Jedi to pre to set the idea that critics are always above fans. Right. That's not always the case. You had me again. Last Jedi, you had me to literally sit down with hours for you and talk you off cliffs. And then you had to sit down for hours and talk me off cliffs because I was wrong for Rise of Skywalker. Like, <laughs> we are sensible enough to know that what we got from Last Jedi was good, no matter how so flawed and warped it kind of been on the basis but, of what a movie might be. But the response but, to it was Skywalker. But what I mean when I say that is that I'm not jumping to conclusions based on what I'm seeing. Oh, you're not going to make a jump to conclusions, Matt. Got it. Right. Like Matt. Jump? No. uh, We love you, Matt. Matt. Not like Matt, Matt. I wasn't saying that, Matt, Matt, but I do love you, Matt, Matt. There is a movie called Office Space, and it's a movie about how boring office life is and how a guy just wants to break out of that mold. And there's a scene in the movie where him and his friends are like, our job sucks. And this guy goes... You guys need to think of something outside of your job. You need to have an idea that's going to take you further. Just like, you need a meal ticket. This place isn't where I'm going to be all my life. And they're like, what do you got? And he's like, I got this invention. They're like, show us. He's like, I don't know if I want to show you. And they're like, show us. And he's like, all right. And he gets all super excited. And he takes this mat and he unfolds it on the ground. And he goes, it's called a jump to conclusions mat. And you write a bunch of conclusions on a thing where you're trying to figure something out. And then you jump on one and you just decide and they're all looking at him like he's an idiot because it's a dumb idea okay alex did you know that office space was the agent smith origin story where uh, he wanted to break out of office life uh if there was a scene where agent smith with sunglasses sat on a like table across from jan for and was like mm, i like kung fu do you like kung fu mrs aniston <laughs> Miss Aniston, how much flair do you have? I love how I'm making jokes about a movie that you haven't seen. This is a yeah, fantastic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like anybody else, the way you describe it, I'm like, that sounds like Agent Smith. <laughs> well, yes, it's uh, it's a fantastic movie, and we'll put it. On, I think that's a curiosity for sh- for sure. I haven't seen it in forever, and you will love it. It's fantastic. Okay. But um, it's it's a great low key '90s movie. But uh, yeah, that jo- that's where that joke reminds me of. Um, it's just anyway. Conclusions, man. Back to Willow. Back to Willow. Ah, you guys did it to me. Um, so, the, like, um, the interesting thing is, once they started casting this movie, the biggest draw at the point was Keanu. He had done Speed a couple years ago, and he was like fully committed to this. And they were like, great, Keanu, let's do some stuff. And he's like, great, ow, my back. And <laughs> he really, <laughs> back. 
really hurt his back, like super hurt his back, so much so that there would be way more fighting in this movie if he had. There's footage of him in a neck brace fighting with like um, Lawrence Fishburne and training with him. Like they were like, you should not do this, and he's like, I'm just gonna keep doing it. And so the, <laughs> that's the reason that the fights that he does have are so um, arm heavy. That's why he's doing mostly arm stuff because he can't use his legs as much because his back is still healing. Uh, so they had to work with that. And that gave them a lot more room and time to set up what I realized the most watching the movie was how much inception took from this in terms of structure. The entire first hour of this movie was to set up the rules and idea of uh, everything. Really? No. Until the, literally at the halfway point of the movie, like time-wise, at an hour and six minutes in, there's an hour and seven minutes left. That's when they go and uh, Neo enters the Matrix again, having done all his training. And he's, they're going to see the Oracle. Or no, yeah, they're going to see the Oracle and they're going to come back and when uh, Morpheus gets captured and everything. When the trap is set by... Um, uh, what's the guy with the mustache who, tra- who trades them all? What's his name again? Uh, no, not Bane. No, 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 no. Anyway, uh, Joe Pantoliano. When okay. Joe Pantoliano screws him over and that, that moment they walk out of the building and they're all there. The woman in the white suit, everything. They're all oh, there. Uh, Cy- uh, Cypher. 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 Thank you. So when Cypher screws him over, what, like when they walk out the door, that's the halfway point. And if you watch Inception, it's the same thing. Everything you need to know is giving you to the halfway point of the movie. And the halfway point of Inception that's when they start the heist because that's when things go wrong. You know how things go wrong because you understand the rules and then everything goes wrong here, but now you understand the rules. And I was like, fan, that's amazing. How tight this movie was in the, in that sense. Like that, that first hour is all about like giving you the mystery, getting holding your hands to the mystery of what the matrix is. And then like getting all the lore and character stuff out and rules out so that that last bit you can do. Because the training program is all understanding how the Matrix works and who the agents are and all that stuff. Like, all of that happened because they cut back on a bunch of fight scenes. Because Keanu hurt his back. Uh, it was a huge hit. Massive hit. Biggest, one of the biggest movies of 1999. It was nominated for four Oscars. Won four Oscars. This movie was beloved. And it was it was a huge thing, and that's why it took uh, a few years for them to make the other ones um, because they wanted to make them right. They wanted to put them out together, and they wanted to do the Star Wars Lord of the Rings idea of making your trilogy um, at the same time, the last two movies of the trilogy at the same time. And we'll get into those. But uh, a lot of influence from these movies, mostly cyberpunk and anime, which they would think again and get people back into with the animatrix and it's just there's a lot of hodgepodge and themes that came into what this movie is that we can kind of talk about later but that's how that's how we got to this point it's their it's their second movie that's it they wrote a movie it got sold they made a really interesting movie they stood by their laurels and then produced something great and they said all right here is a bunch of money make your sci-fi fantasy and change the world and they did and it wasn't just them, like, the guy who created Bullet Time, he won an Oscar, and he just kind of they believed in him, and they all worked together, and it was his idea to decide to shoot the way they did, and 
just everyone came together who was just either at the peak of their game or just about to discover something amazing within the world of filmmaking. And they were following the lead of two really competent people who believed in a vision and stood by what they wanted to say and crafted something super, super tight. One of the best movies of the, like, this is one of the best, like to say that this is a nineties action movie in the realm of like P2 and face off and speed and stuff like that. This is above them miles. This, Mm. this is like, this feels like it was made 10 years ago, in my opinion, in a lot of ways. Like there's some special effects that still that look dated, sure, but like the moments and how it feels, the world, right. everything about it, it just like it feels like it was made ten years ago. And to say that this is in the same, this came out in 1999, one of the best best years of movies ever, is so amazing. Like this, this is one of the top five of that year, including like Fight Club and Iron Giant and so many interesting ones. Yeah, this movie sits in the Library of Congress. That's I mean, how good it was. That, that's not that surprising. Like when I was in film school studying history, I was pulling this card. No, I well, Chris, you know, I went and studied history and criticism. When I was studying history and criticism, this was the movie we talked about when we talked about the coming of digital, the digital age. This is the movie. I think this, yeah. It's certainly this movie has earned every bit of praise that has ever gone its way. It, it, it you just, it's earned. I think it. it. I think on a on an American standpoint, yes, it certainly does. This would not exist without movies like Akira and uh, Ghost in a Shell and Ghost Hunter D. Like like movies like animes like that that really push the cyberpunk idea. Um, this would not ex- exist aesthetically, but I kind of agree with you, Zach, that like when I was watching it, the way that they kept pushing the idea of a digital realm and a digital space. And then you look at like a few years ago when they made um, that Spielberg movie. Oh, uh, 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 Ready Player One. God, this is the second podcast I forgot the name of that movie on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's how. That's how it I It wasn't that, that bad, guys. Ah, but it I is that forgettable. It. I like it too, but it is that forgettable, apparently. Like uh. that's what I'm saying. I don't know. I don't think I don't think Ready Player One is bad. I just think it's too late to the party. Anyway. Uh, uh, but that's but that's the <laughs> thing. Like that kind of understanding of gamer world and gamer like this is a game. This is a gamer movie for sure. Like this is about this is a movie about a guy who learns the how that you can mod anything you want in a game do whatever you want. It's true. That's pretty much what it is. And I like mean, that's this, how this movie's also created a whole subculture behind it with the the hacktivist thought stuff and all well, that. I mean, we could also put that to the movie uh the hackers from nineteen ninety six, baby, hack the planet. What are you talking about? Yeah, I mean <laughs> Uh, I'm joking because that movie's terrible. But um, <laughs> this is the first. This is the first time that I think like it took the idea of hackers living this kind of other world idea online, making not just a metaphor but like fantasizing it into this aesthetic. Like, imagine you're a hacker. You sit at home on a front of a computer all day. 
and someone knocks on your door and they're like, hey, the real world is fucked. We need you to save it. By the way, like, the only way to do it is for you to be a superhero in an imaginary digital space. So good for you. So, like, it's amazing when you think about it in that context, for sure. And then Cypher's right. And he's like, you know, man, I'm just giving it. But he's not, he can't do what Neo does, which is, is, it's very interesting. Watching it this time, I was like, no, that's literally, there is no, there's so many things I didn't get when I watched this the first time. I was like, I sat in the theaters on a vacation to Texas with, Texas with my family. And this came out March 31st, 1999. So it would have been a couple weeks after my birthday. So I would have just turned 13. Like, this one probably was my first PG-13 movie. And we watched it on a vacation. in Texas for fam- Yeah, this is a P- Oh, no, this is R. Is it R? Yeah. It felt oh, like wow. a PG-13 movie, but I swear that it was must, an R. That must have been my first, like, parental guidance R movie at 13. So that's an even bigger thing for me that I just now realized. So, like, it was such a big deal. We loved it so much. And I had no idea that this movie was a thing. Like, I'd seen trailers for it, but, like, I didn't really know it until we watched it. So it was all really a mystery to me. I didn't know there was a lesbian noir thriller that came out from these directors. Then I was 13. So we loved it so much as a family. We literally went back days later and watched the movie. because It was a family event on vacation. Like, we loved the movie that much. It was that jaw-dropping. And so watching this, this time, I wanted to be in that mind space. I wanted to be as open with the series as possible. I wanted to sit down in a dark room and watch The Matrix like I was in that theater. And I really loved it this time. And I really, like, I enjoyed Neo's performance. Like, Keanu's performance, I enjoyed a lot about it. I think Dan Moss didn't know how to say the phrase, God damn it. Which is hilarious to me. <laughs> she says it twice in the movie, and both times is unbelievable as hell. And then, um, uh, yes, there is no spoon. That's the thing I realized so much in this movie that made so much more sense now that, like, probably confused me as a kid. I was like, why did they see this idea in? Like, what's the whole point? And literally, all they're saying to him is, like, you're a hacker, you hack things. This is a video game. Hack this video game. Learn how to, you know, fly. Learn how to just stop bullets. Learn how to not die. You mod, please mod. Go mod. Like that that to me is what I saw in terms of understanding the rules of what this movie was trying to say. And then after I had that, I ran into all the thematic ideas that it was trying to say. It's not just the whole Jesus thing, although they literally do call him Jesus twice in the movie. Right. But so many other things. So many other things. It's just, it's a wealth of philosophy. And it's going to get even fuck, fucking crazier when we get to like Buddhism and shit. And the next movies, the next movies just throw Christianity out the window right off the bat. And it's a bunch of other stuff. So. And then they bring it just... back for the third movie, right? Um, can I ask you something? It's, it's kind Is of an you... on, off, it's kind of like an on and off kind of thing with this, with this Matrix thing. Um, well, no, actually, here's the thing. Him sacrificing himself is not just a Christian thing. It's not just a Jesus thing. There's a whole idea of mind, body, and spirit that are separate. And the harmony of them coming back together when someone decides to allow their spirit to go back to that, then everything can be back in harmony again. And that's all the way back to other philosophies and other things. Like, right. it's not just 
I was shocked to know that. I didn't know that there was something like, I'll send you some, Zach and I were, may have watched the same videos, but there's a couple that I watched right after this that I was like, wow, no, that makes sense. Like, I'm starting to like understand that I don't, this, these movies may get more pretentious, but they doesn't mean they didn't have any say of merit that I may not have been paying attention to when the sequels came out. I was probably like, this is stupid. I don't, you guys are just saying vis-a-vis and stuff like that. And it's like, ergo, I'm like, shut up. But really, he was actually like trying to say something there. And, I, and I'm trying to be open-minded about this. Like, when Zach was sending all the Christianity stuff he was saying, I was like, yeah, that's really interesting. And then I started thinking about it more and more. I'm like, oh, they're talking about Socrates. And they're talking about the cave. And they're talking about a bunch of other stuff. They literally bring up a book about how the media is changing and warping our sense of reality every day. So there are many references in this outside of just religion. There's the, there's the idea that the two transgendered women made a movie about a person who lives a hidden life on, online who doesn't believe that the world he's existing in that tells him who he's supposed to be and who, like, they keep calling him Anderson, but he's like, my name is Neo. And that's, he's defining his identity and not allowing the world to do it. Like, hmm, like, the shit is there. So there's a lot of ways you can look at this supposedly confusing action movie, but really, like, they crafted this thematics really well and that's what re- that's what i'm realizing i'm responding to the most in this movie which begs the question if the bullet time was not in this movie and the special effects were not in this movie how much would it have resonated with audiences i'm reading the uh I, I, yeah like i just don't if we didn't have the scene where he flips back, which is so amazing, if we didn't have the scene where she does the kick to the cop, if we didn't have the gunfight, uh, um, any of that, would it still have the same impact? I don't think so. Probably not the same. I think that's what gets everybody involved. But I think it's awesome that this is a movie that 20 years later, people like me at 13 would have been like, that's a great action movie that I do not understand. I don't get that movie, but I loved it. Don't get it, Mom. And we see it again. Um, And then 20 years later, coming back and being like, wow, uh, there's a wealth to this that I'm so happy I'm here to just discover now and stick at. It's like watching a kid's movie and finding the adult ghost. You're an adult. And it makes me really excited for the other movies in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's my take. Okay, so. Oh, yeah, and I'm sorry. I was going to ask you this. Is, uh, do you, okay, Zach, do yes. you think that Chris's voice sounds deeper? <sighs> Chris, say something hey. here. Something. Maybe give it time. Maybe give it time because it's not. Guys, like... I'm gonna tell you why Destiny Two is the greatest game ever made. Um, uh... <laughs> you know what he sounds like? Hmm. A little bit. He sounds. I did get a new microphone. He sounds like a young. Oh. Keep keep talking. I'm like trying to put on. Ooh. So basically, Destiny Two or Destiny as a whole is the Matrix, right? So. Okay, okay, okay. Stop, stop. I got enough here. 
Uh, he, he sounds like he sounds like, like a young. <laughs> Who's the black? Uh, um, right. It's not because you're black, but uh, <laughs> but Chris, I love you, but I'm not racist. Uh, but uh, are you talking about the Allstate guy? Steve, uh, Steve, uh, he's the mm. game show host now. Steve Harvey. Harvey. He sounds like a young Steve Harvey, doesn't he? What? Um, I don't know. You just sound deeper. You just sound like, like a twenty-five-year-old Steve Harvey. That's what he sounds like right now. One hundred thirty dollars, for God's sake. You sound a little deeper. You sound like your voice is a little deeper. He sounds like a twenty-five-year-old Steve Harvey. You sound clear, like Do I, I sound understand. like Michael Clark Duncan. No, you don't look no. like Michael Clark. Chris, could you're not even that. a third of the man that Michael Clark Duncan was. There's no. Oh, he gave his he gave his golden globe to Jack Lemmon, so I mean that was pretty classy. Yeah, because you're not even a third of the man that Michael Clark Duncan was. That man. Five four. That man was, was in City. Yeah, that man was good. That man was the kingpin before. Before the kingpin. Back to Willow. That guy was at whole nine yards. Yeah. Back to Willow. Chris is offended that we, we think um, Michael Clark Duncan's better than him. Uh, so I'm going to talk. Yeah, I can't wait to show Chris the whole nine yards and the whole ten yards and talk about what happened there. Those are weird movies. Anyway, back to Willow. Uh, yes, Chris, your take on the movie. Okay, so. Much like the three movies I got at the movie at the at the uh, much like the three movies I got at the thrift store, I got my copy of the Matrix from the thrift store. So this was like years back, and so I dusted it off and I put it in because that's the cheaper option. Um, okay. So not only. Like, aside from the fact that it changed the game in visual effects and will be recognized as one of the, mo- as one of the most influential films of all time, this is a really good, really freaking good action movie. Yeah. Like. Yeah. It's, okay, so having, having seen similar plots to the matrix before actually seeing the matrix this isn't the first time i've seen this by the way uh this is not um yeah when was the first time you saw it oh god years ago on cable um wow i I haven't watched it a lot since like between now and then i was gonna say i'm pretty sure i first saw it on cable too wow that's just so crazy i I alex alex listen yeah. Old. Okay. I'm we old. We're not. All right. We're not, we not old enough to watch it in a movie theater. I was only three when this movie came out. <laughs> I'm okay. Old. I'm old. I get <laughs> So. I'll do my stanky leg and leave. <laughs> Superman, a whammy. What I think is actually so funny about this more than anything is that I actually saw Matrix Revolutions before I saw the Matrix. That happens. I think I yeah, dodged I weird. dodged that bullet. I dodged I that. didn't dodge that bullet because I saw Revolutions in 
fourth or fifth grade. Well, the funny thing is, and I have, um, I have seen Revolutions the most. Oh, probably Reloaded for me. So I've probably seen the original more than any of them. Truthfully, I think I've only seen Reloaded fully like twice, and Revolutions fully like. I think again, just like twice. Um, Reloaded was just on TV a lot after it came out, and I remember watching it on TV a lot. Um, I've seen the first one a lot, but just like odds wise, I've probably seen the second one more just because there were way more opportunities to do it. And when I watch the first one, I usually take it seriously. I sit down and I'm like, I'm fucking, I am watching The Matrix. So, um, so, like, when you said, like, th- um, this movie was, um, this movie reminded you of, uh, Inception. what was it, what was, which movie? Inception. Inception. When you said, like, Inception took things from this. When I was watching this movie, the first movie I thought of, this reveals my age, the first movie I thought of when I was watching this movie was uh, Kingsman. The first one. Okay. Bad, Chris, you're young. I am young. I don't feel like I'm young, but I am. Um, no, Chris, are you okay, dude? Like, God, what is wrong with your voice? If he says it's a new mic, I just think your mic is turned down a little bit low. But we'll worry about it next time. You sound yeah. sexy. Well, <laughs> it turned the gain all the way down. How about that? Uh, I have no idea. But either way, just keep going. Ignore it. I just wanted to know if it was. Like, How about all the way up? <laughs> Sorry, it was like very, very. How should I put it? Shocking. I think other people will get this. When can I sound like Mace Windu? Yeah, uh, that's. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I, I think if you listen to the app. Later, you'll understand it. But like for now, don't worry about it. Now that I know you're not like that. Now that I know you didn't grow three feet on me for no reason. <laughs> you might, have, Alex. You don't know. I can't see you through the window properly. All I see is like a torso, straight yeah, up. I will so. hold the microphone. You hold your microphone. Mouth. Like this. you sound like Jesse Ventura. That's how you sound. Like. <laughs> yes. You sound like Jesse Ventura. That's exactly That's not a good thing, Chris. It's the Minnesota accent with the deep voice. That's what's getting me. Vote for me if you want a governor that's going to put the economy in a headlock. I have not grown up a single day. I swear I have not gone through any physical changes over the last week or so. You it's can't just... prove that. <laughs> you can't prove that. <laughs> I want that to be a game show. You can't prove that. <laughs> anyway. Um, do I sound like a Yeti? Because that's yes. the brand of microphone. Well, I've yes. never met a Yeti. I picked my answer. It's Jesse Ventura. I'm still voting for you, so we're good. Uh, <laughs> no, just listen, just listen back and you'll see what we're talking about. But like, if you got a new microphone, that's awesome. Good. Because you do sound good. You just also sound different. And I was like, okay. uh, did you grow? And you're like, no, so we're good. Um, <laughs> uh, so you you watch this on cable. So I the reason I, cable at first. I, I th- the reason I think that's odd is I like I can't imagine. I just couldn't imagine anybody not seeing this on a big screen. What like I can't imagine the Matrix being seen on TV for the first time. And I have no idea why. 
maybe it's old age, but just like there's something about that initial experience that got me. I was like, hasn't everybody done this once in their life? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so like, I was like, when I was watching this, I went in with the mindset of, okay, this movie has a, um, a degree in psychology. <laughs> and philosophy, for sure. And it's philosophy. A lot probably of stuff is going to go by my head. There's got to be something I need to hold on to. There's probably and some theology in there, too. For sure. And the only thing, funny enough, the only thing that I could hold on to is like, okay, what I have heard is that there are strong Christian metaphors. So that's what I was looking for because I was intrigued with why they wanted to do that. Because I think they wanted a savior and that's how you do it. Okay, again, Jesus was not the only martyr of four religion. He's just right. the most famous one. I and figured also, that out real quick because I'm like, yeah. wait a minute. <laughs> There's a lot of different stuff in here. And then I, mean, I then I spun out of control. I'm just like, okay, I'm just gonna watch we can, it. We can talk, movie. Chris. We can talk a little bit more about this when we get specifically to Revolutions, because there's right, because that's where I there's think one specific shot that like straight up tells you where they're getting it from. Right. This is what this is what I would say, Chris. Did you watch the the movies with Mikey on this? Movies with Mikey on the Matrix. Yes. I have not gotten to those. Watch that's that the only, after. The, only thing I, don't I, haven't the, I don't know if he has if he's done the other ones, but he. I did watch that after I watched this because you and I love him, and I thought maybe he'd get to it. But yeah, it's a good twenty minutes on this, and he focuses on a lot. Some of the things I that did I've highlighted. Watch it. I don't remember anything. Okay, so there. You go. Okay, so rewatch it again after this, and it'll highlight a lot of the things that like will carry over to the other movies. But like a lot of things that I mentioned too, especially the transgender bit, like. The, it's a wealth of thematic crap in there. And I, a lot of it went over my head, too. This is one of those... Uh, that's why, like, I have... I love this now because it's a smart action movie. It's an action movie that right. wants you to think about it. It's just, and there are a few out there. Mad Max is a good one that I like to go to, but now I'm realizing, oh, this was always here and has been here for 20 years. I just thought because the sequels were a little bit too pretentious about it that they weren't saying anything. Right. They were just spouting crap from books. And now I'm realizing, no, they had something to say, and maybe they got a little up in their own butts a little bit, but that's it. They were still like, trying to say something. The thing that I picked up on it that I was clearly getting was like this... Um, like this, uh, like the theme of like it's not very subtle, where it's kind of like, okay, this world has rules and it is holding you hostage. And <laughs> but the thing is, you could break it and become something out of it. You can break it and get something out of it. Put it in a headline. Do I really sound that deep? I have, do not. It's a, yeah, I'm just joking with you now because you love wrestling. But like, <laughs> and I figured at any time in your life, if you have a wrestler's voice, like take advantage of it now. But um, I'm just having fun with it. You're gonna know what it is. I wonder if uh, Homestar uh, Runner's still going. Uh, <laughs> there you go. I'm just having fun with it. Um, right, we'll figure right. it out with this later. Don't worry about it. But right. like, 
Yes, I agree. Um, the, the the when his boss is looking at him, he's like, "You think you're above the rules? You're not." Mm. So like, um, I also I did soak this in. I did soak this movie in as much as I could because I knew, because I'd seen the other two movies before. I knew this was the most that we were going to see of the Matrix in one movie. Um, than the other two. I think you're going to be surprised. unless unless there's more of scenes within the matrix in reloaded than i remember otherwise i know it's got i know like both movies have revolutions beat okay so i would say that this movie is half real world half matrix reloaded is more matrix than it is real world when they visit the merovingian it's matrix on the highway it's matrix when he's visiting the um the architect at the end most of it like his room is all of that is within the matrix most of reloaded is in the matrix um revolutions is mostly out of it because by that point the the matrix has supposedly been destroyed to a certain extent but it hadn't because smith takes it over it's a little confusing but no like you're gonna be surprised actually that it's this it's reloaded that is mostly set in the matrix because the whole point is now they have all the money now they get to do all the superpowers. Now he can fly. Now he can fight a bunch of Smiths. Now he can change, like, no, the whole point is people wanted to see all the bullet time fighting stuff, and that's why Reloaded has an entire 20-minute fight scene on a highway. Which they actually <laughs> built a massive highway for, which Damn I think right. is just freaking awesome. It's beautiful. That whole thing is beautiful. Like I've that's why I've watched Reloaded so much, I think, also, is because I've watched that highway thing. Speaking oh. of building sets, the uh the lobby shootout. The 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 tidbit of trivia that I took away was that they had two built in case they needed to <laughs> um like reshoot or something, or they a shot didn't quite pan out right. And they ended up not having to use the second set because they got everything on the first one. That's I awesome. like stories like that. That's like better safe than sorry. I like it. I also like how they got the explosion of the door. Like when they dropped the bomb down the elevator. Yeah. They built a miniature of it. Then they that filmed looked it good down. for 1999. Like, again, miniatures, which I love. Um, the fire is real. The door is fake. And the room is real. They just filmed it upside down with a fireball and then slowed it. I, I lo- I, there's a lot of interesting tricks in there. But um, uh, I, I think um, the whole Nebuchadnezzar set's pretty cool, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, like, to me, the last, like, 30 minutes of, the, of this movie are straight-up yeah. iconic. Yes. Like, you say, like, if this movie didn't have any of that stuff, would it still hold up? And based on the last 30 minutes, I don't necessarily think it would. Well, here's the thing. The, what I'm specifically talking about is the bullet time. Bullet that, time. Okay, that no, was, it was that. But the, but the slow-mo, everyone does slow-mo. And the helicopter thing, it really flew people around the city. 
and the kung fu fight that was made by a guy who's been doing kung fu fights forever. Like, like I think you're right. Like when they go through the um, the moment they go through the uh, metal detector, this is like Star Wars on the Death Star to the end of Star Wars. Like boom, 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 boom. They don't stop. It's some of the best action that's ever been produced ever in 30 minutes of a movie. Like the beginning of this movie is a mystery. The middle is a just uh, exposition dump and um, a Hitchcock bomb under the table bit where we know that they're going to get put in a trap but they don't know they're going to be put in a trap and then the last 30 minutes are just a out and out action movie straight up guns, helicopters explosions, going into buildings people swinging into glass like it's everything, it's everything like everything you could ever want right and the key is it all is memorable. Like, not just Neo dodging bullets. It's Trinity shooting an agent point blank in the head. It's Morpheus and Neo jump, Neo jumping from a helicopter. And Morpheus, and Morpheus jumping out of a window. Yeah. And it's Trinity swinging into a building with an ex- with the helicopter exploding right like right behind her it's everything about how it all looks like from we need guns lots of guns to the end rock song is just so good but like every single one of those so memorable be the centerpiece of one okay action movie and they not only do each and every one of them they are edited and paced within an inch of their life. It's nonstop. It's so good by two people who had never made an action movie, and this was their second movie. That's insane. Insane. Still don't like Street Racer. Speed Racer. Sorry. I don't think they made Speed Racer. Um, I'm probably going to watch Speed Racer after this just to give it another shot. Like, I think the reevaluation of the Wachowskis' work in this is going to send me down because I've never seen Cloud Atlas. I've only seen half of Sense8. They and, made Cloud Atlas? Yeah, they made Cloud Atlas. Huh. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, now that's I can see it. That's true, Chris. That's for true, true. I can see it now. That makes sense. Uh, uh, I thought it was just some they, guy. Oh my God, they did make Speed Racer. Yeah. Yeah, I got They did make Speed Racer. That's one of the like defining things about that movie is that the Wachowskis made it. Uh, the one thing that I've liked after this, after the Matrix trilogy, the most from them uh, would probably be V for Vendetta as writers. Um, they did not direct it, but I do think that that's a very good uh, script. Um, but outside of this, I love Bound. I think Bound's really good, and. I think Jupiter Ascending is fun because I haven't seen Speed Racer and I haven't seen Cloud Atlas. Um, I can't say anything else, but I, I like uh, I do like Jupiter Ascending. I think it's fun and stupid. Speed Racer has problems. I'll, I'll just say that. Anyway, like say, back to a I think I may just watch it. Uh, so yeah, I, I think this movie's last 30 minutes are ridiculous for people who had never made anything like this and have, were just going for also, it. Also, like Working with amazing people. Also, that score. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. 
Chef's kiss. Wow. Honestly, I'd say the whole sound design of this whole movie is great. That just when a phone, even a phone hanging up is a sound. Just everything in the Matrix yeah. has like a a texture to its movement and like just even a zoom. Like I love the sounds in the Matrix. When they get to the real world, though, they're in there. They're just it's just normal sounds. Like I love the aesthetics of the two differences between the worlds. The green of the Matrix, the film noir kind of David Fincher look of the city. When he goes meets when he goes to meet Morpheus, it's classic. It looks like a gothic movie. It's great. And then they get to the real world and it's just a bunch of people surrounded by metal and like shitty clothes. And I yes. love it. Love it. I okay, if I had to nit okay, so I'm I if I had to nitpick anything out of this first Matrix movie, it would be that opening sequence. <gasps> so, here's, hear me out. It's the small thing with it. When she's mm-hmm. running on the rooftops, those backdrops, that's where the movie is dated, I think, the most. Okay. Um, a couple of things. Uh, like, I just want to know what happened. Okay, A... I'll explain it, actually. Um, so, A, I noticed those two, they actually move, or at least the camera moves, which breaks the effect of the first one, that the, the first backdrop you see. Uh, B, I love that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm, as a 90s kid, that stuff was okay, and I loved okay. it. But this is why they I did it. That. that is actually a shot-for-shot recreation of Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. Okay. <laughs> Okay. That's how, that's how Vertigo looks. They have those kind of backdrops. They have that ladder, the way that the camera's angled when she climbs up the ladder and the other guy is right behind him. That, that's a shot-for-shot remake of Vertigo. When they're going up and down those things, that's from Vertigo. The way that like, the city looks okay. in the background, that's all just another movie. Right. Like so much. It was like... I feel like when they were running across on the roof set, I was seeing this those uh, backdrops like this is a set i'm not <laughs> like this all looks pretty good but this is a set and I'll, i'm kind of taken out of it right now that's just me nitpicking though um the like i didn't realize that until first of all as a kid i didn't give a shit uh right. and I have, i've never given a shit um but and i was <laughs> more distracted by the the cgi and some of how old that looks but when I saw that, I was like, ah, oh, that's charming, and that's 90s, and that's like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles kind of city yeah, backdrop. Yeah, that's the I thing, though. But that's then, the thing, though. Well, once I figured out what they were doing, I was like, okay, now I get it. Because like, I haven't seen Vertigo yeah. Rip. But once I saw it, I was like, I knew that I'd seen those shots somewhere. And I knew I'd seen that ladder book somewhere. And that's where it's from. They're just saying, go watch more old movies. And I was like, oh, it's just a treat. It's just a treat for people like me who eventually watch Vertigo again and be like, holy shit, The Matrix? The Matrix stole from Vertigo? All right, baby, let's do this. Like, like, I had no idea. But they're just saying, go watch Vertigo. Right. I was like, like I said, I wasn't too bothered. It did, it did take me out of it. Then I had to remember, this movie is the catalyst of pretty much everything for the next decade after this in terms of sci-fi action or like action in general or something like this like 
or like it was the whole another like a whole another um level of CGI, and like this would be like CGI would only get better after this. Hard to believe, but yes. Well, the thing um, is, there isn't a lot of C. There is a lot of CGI in this movie that is true, but it has mostly to do with the Sentinels. But the right. thing that most that they won an award for, mostly the thing that people, everyone that everyone loved, was the bullet time. And to right. do bullet time, it's just you got to buy a bunch of fucking cameras. That's all it really is. Just buy a bunch of cameras and swing them around the room and have them click off at different seconds. And like that's all the guy did. So he did it twice. Day, that, well, that and the wire work were the two things that people stole from this movie the most. And then the Underworld series just straight up stole the look. All everything, everyone wears <laughs> shit and look like they like they want to. It's crazy. And then it's all dark and raining. And, yeah, it's, they stole the look. But the wire work and everything would be in like the Charlie's Angels movies, and the bullet time would show up in a lot of other stuff too. And then other people would be like, "We have our own bullet time," and that's like what Dread was. I mean, imagine a world where the Matrix movies happen, and there there are genuine new techniques in the next movies for sure in terms of how they would shoot action. Um, that highway chase is phenomenal. And by 2006, Alex Garland was probably like, "I want to do something like that." Because it only it, that only would have been three years later. They're like, we want to develop our own bullet time, and they technically did. So yeah, this was a, a huge inspiration on sci-fi for the next few years. But I also think that the thing that collided with it the most was um, the birth of like Jason Bourne type movies and um, the and the re the renaissance of Bond being more serious. Yeah, Daniel Craig Bond and grounded. Yeah, and, like we're gonna do parkour now. Yeah, because also, yeah, like, this movie did take place, this movie it was made and released before 9-11. So that's before the turn of, like, how action movies were made. So... I think the I thing that, that helped this movie with... First, the thing that hurt The Matrix the most after it came out when they were in production of the sequels was Columbine, of course. And all the guns that came out of that. That's why you're seeing like samurai swords and more like kung fu weapons in the next movie. That's why there's Oh more... wow. Oh yeah, man, so can't wait to get to that. Well, I, I basically Columbine you you can't really blame Columbine on the Matrix, but there is something about them walking into that shootout in the lobby that you're just kind of like Gah. But since then, like they took an aesthetic and were like, well, it's a magical world where he can beat a bunch of Agent Smiths with a pipe in concrete. Like, we don't need guns. We're fine. He's a a superhero now. You just need uh, several dozen computers and a few people with a a lot of time. Uh, So, um, when it comes to the action in the second movie, like, their whole vibe was like, okay, so we're stepping away from the guns and we have this whole new aesthetic of we're making both the movies at the same time. So what were the two big series that were doing that at the same time? Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. So I'm pretty sure that the reason The Matrix is also as spectacle as it is is because they were like, we're sci-fi fantasy too. Like, we're going to go full, full down the barrel of the gun. But after this, like movies like Paycheck and uh, The Island and stuff, that stuff died. There are very few other sci-fi films of that big scale that would continue 
um, stuff like Transformers, but like that's about it. It's Transformers is the polar opposite of this movie. It is, but at the same time, it is like a big fantasy action film. Like the sure, yeah. Like you can't tell me that the third one doesn't look like a straight up fucking Transformers movie to a certain extent. It's a bunch of people fighting machines with machines. <laughs> oh, uh, so I, I, when we get to the sequels, some of that stuff's going to be really interesting. But when it comes to this movie, it's I think it's super tight, super good. Um, well, everyone was coming together. And then as for the Wachowskis themselves, overseeing the entire experience, uh, as well as their vision and idea in general, like the it, I, I, this movie, I, this movie is really blowing my mind these days in terms of ju- it's their second movie. All they did was write scripts and then make a really low budget film noir. And then they gave them all the money in the world to make this. And they blew it out of the park. Just just knock that thing all the way out i i this is uh un- like that's why i'm so more that's why i think i'm going to be so much more forgiving of the other movies because it's their third and fourth movie and they made them at the same time it's so it's one basically big movie so like I, they were still they were still learning yeah yeah <laughs> anymore i can't be that, the, the anymore. that thing that you get that, that chris you may know this but you know this is just something to note is that that there's this talk in, in the film industry that if you eventually throw enough money at something, eventually it will be good. You laugh Look about this, but it's it's a real thought. <laughs> White people can't be running this country anymore. Uh... <laughs> That's just a thing, dude. Like, uh... I agree with both those things. Uh, um, I do also. I do think. That is a sentiment that people believe is real that has both done good things and bad things. Like, that created Gone with the Wind and Wizard of Oz and stuff like that. But it also, you know, created Waterworld. Created Cutthroat Island. It created the holiday special. (laughs) Well, the holiday special didn't have a lot of money behind it. That was the problem. It had enough. Um, I, I... No, it didn't. I don't think that I know Zach is approaching these a little bit more tentatively than I am. I don't think I'm going to walk into the sequels or at least walk away with them going. They squandered the opportunity, which is what I think I felt the last time. But I don't know. I don't think I will this time. I think I remember really liking Reloaded as a cool Matrix set action movie with like dumb MacGuffins. And some, you know, crazy stuff that happens towards the end. The problem with that movie is the architect. Like, uh, a, lot, a lot of people think philosophical BS that the Oracle talks about in the park before Smith shows up. And I do think a lot of that is a little bit, like, confusing. But honestly, when the architect shows up and starts talking... And so it's pulling out twists. He's like, there's been five of you. Yeah. And this is, you know, all that stuff. Then I'm like, um... You're getting Michael Divquist. And I that's, like, that's what I always get. That's where the they jump the shark for me. And I get, and I have trouble with the third movie. I want to walk into this third movie with an open mind. Because I have an idea of why, of how I think the third movie would have worked. And if I could edit these movies, how I would change the trilogy. And I'll get to that with the third movie. 
But for right now, like I want to, I want to walk into it with an open mind for sure. And I think the Animatrix is going to help that because Zach and I did watch the one that talked about the history of the robots before this that the Wachowskis had a hand in, which is a prequel to this movie, and it, it's pretty good. Like Zach, do you want to go into it? You, I think I watched someone's overview of it and got to see a lot of it. I didn't see the whole thing, and I believe. So... I'm going to try and be as brief about this as I can, because I really do want to talk about this more when we get to Revolutions, because that's kind of where the Animatrix happened. But uh, the yeah, particular... Yeah, but this is... this. I don't know if that stuff, the the content of this particular story uh, is really going to matter to us since all three of us know where sure, this goes. Sure, sure, I think sure, it's more sure. interesting now when you think about where things are have led to. Sure. How, like, the humans were... So... So, I'm going to do a very brief overview. So, uh, the particular short we're talking about is called The Second Renaissance. There's two parts to it, each about nine minutes long, creating an 18-minute long short. Uh, It basically establishes that the human-machine war kicks off around 2130, something like that. Uh, I have no idea. Well, the, I don't know. I don't remember the year. So, so I saw someone break down the actual year that like has like the exact years that everything happened and how long everything took and when everything happened. Blah 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 blah. I don't. I don't yeah, know. it's eighteen. It's eighteen uh, minutes. But, like fully goes through it. Well, sure. no, 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 no. This is this is like like even deeper than what the short does. Oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This is like really deep stuff. Uh, ironically. Second, uh, the second Renaissance has a lot of really relevant things right now. So it kind of kicks off with humans have successfully developed AI. They create an entire race of them who just are the working class workers. They're the construction workers, the ma, the maids, the the whatever. And it starts off with the robot who kills his master. Uh, I've called B one six six ER. And he goes to trial uh, where they basically go to trial over is he property or is, is or because he has intelligence, can he, you know, can we try him as a person? And they come out that he's property and they destroy him, which leads to a very, very, very worldwide riot, <laughs> a bad one uh, that involves a lot of brutal a lot of brutal imagery that is very has a very 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 recognizable to what's been going on in Minneapolis with the George Floyd riots as of late um and all this ends with the machines saying screw you guys we're going to make our own country and they make their own country and they name it zero one and Basically, what happens is the robots prove that they are better at do at making luxuries than we ever were, and they cripple the entire world's economy to the point where they send some um, uh, representatives to the UN to say, "Hey, look, what we did was spiteful and horrible and whatever." You know what I mean, and we have a plan to help everyone so everyone can be happy and everyone can be successful 
And the UN just kind of says, fuck you, and bombs them, which starts a world war, basically, where the robots are like, fine, you don't want this, we'll do it. Uh, you, uh, the world comes up with a plan called Operation Darkstorm, which creates the the dark stormy thing we see in the matrix in the real world um in an attempt to cut off their main power source which is solar energy the machines eventually are like cool we'll start coming up with a different plan and this is through many experimentation on humanity and eventually they completely destroy humanity for the most part and leave a few alive for experimentation to turn into the first humans in the matrix. And overall it's a pirate victory where they beat the humans, but everything was destroyed. And it kind of leaves us with the first image of the first matrix, which is supposedly a perfect world where the machines and the humans never went to war and everyone's wishes and dreams are everything they could ever want, and humanity doesn't accept that. And they lose thousands and thousands and thousands of what's referred to later in re, uh, re Reloaded as crops to these first two failures. And this is uh, we get to see the first of the, of the two failures. The first one is a perfect world where they have angels and seraphs which is one of the characters we meet in reloaded the second one is what they call the nightmare matrix which is where we get all the ghosts and the ghouls and all the other stuff is that they're just programs from a nightmare matrix that was designed to be the epitome of human punishment sexy yeah um <laughs> kind of a, a super 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 generic overview of what happened in the second Renaissance, but it's really pretty to watch. It's the art style's gorgeous, and it's got a lot of really, really interesting imagery in it. I think it's interesting to think about that stuff and know that stuff now before we get to that guy's speech at the end of Reloaded, because in my opinion, Reloaded is here, here's Zion, here's the yeah. thing we need to go get. The guy, the gang goes to go get it. And it becomes an action movie. And then all of a sudden, at the very end, this guy steps in and he's like, hey, I'm going to just dump a whole bunch of fucking twists and turns on your ass. Yeah. And complicated as shit. I'm not going to lie. Uh, like, halfway, halfway through Reloaded, they, while they're in Zion, if, Zion. if they cut to like this... <laughs> If they had, like, because, because Alex, you, you've seen how they kind of do Second Renaissance, where they, they establish it as documentation from the Zion archives. If they just did that and then cut to this actual just, like, thing, even if it was straight animated, I think they would have made a lot more sense. And then the stupid info dump that we get at the end could have been so much less horrid. So is this what it feels like when I talk about Star Wars? Yes. Okay. Uh, no. That's what that yeah. feels like. Uh, uh, could you, Chris, for one second, just kind of, you don't have to scream it, but could you yell Rachel for me real quick? Rachel! There you go. Yeah, I love it. It's perfect. You're never going to, it's just, mwah, I love it. Um, now just say, Rachel, I'm going to put you in a headlock. 
Rachel, I'm going to put you in a headlock. No, take take the gruff out. I just want your normal voice. <laughs> Rachel, I'm going to put you in a headlock. That's yeah, not okay. me. Yeah, no, it's Rachel. not you. It's Jesse no, okay, 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 okay. Rachel, I'm going to put you in a headlock. I love it. Oh, I love it. Rachel, I'm going to put you in a headlock because you're going to put my all my criminals in a Rachel case. Oh, my God. Anyways, uh, the trooper was doing this thing and he gave, the cops pulled him over. Yeah, I think if if halfway through reloaded, we got a twenty minute like kind of dump like this, and in the way we know what, so much better. (laughs) What if instead? What if instead of Michael Nivquist, we got Jesse Ventura as the Uh, uh, Oracle? Um, now when he's all conspiracy serious, yeah, with the beard and everything, totally. Uh, I would say, um, I don't agree. Here's the thing. The dump that the guy leads the end reloaded is different than the jump that's led in. And I don't think it's a jump. I think it's different than the revolution. The, Careful, the you two. We're still on the first movie. That's talking about stuff that happens before the first movie, whereas the info dump talks about the five previous people that Neo was from and like the matrices that happened later. That's like at the end of revolution. Like, Also, I don't think it'd be cool to have a movie where you see an animation of the past in the movie, because then you'd be like, who animated this? Why is it so cool looking? This is fucking horrifying. Why did you animate it so well? In fairness, like, and I'm not saying this is a good good thing, you know what I mean? But they did do it in Deathly Hollows Part 2, where they had, like, a six-minute animation in the middle of the movie. Yes, but that was literally just for the audience. And if it wasn't, it was made out of smoke in a world like if you told me that in Harry Potter just out of the blue they can tell stories with smoke and like a backdrop yeah of course I believe that they have time travel in that world who cares like but yeah. if you literally showed a video of animation in this world and they like it's not like Kill Bill where they just make animation for no reason and it just looks pretty they just have an anime and Kill Bill for no reason like in this if people actually put in a tape and then started watching it and someone was like and Neo was like this is what happened and they're like yeah and he's like who animated this this is a really good and also what the fuck true true that, I, like, I, I do think it, like some of that information within the movie would have been cool but also maybe the Wachowskis were like this is the info that they don't need because it's pre-Matrix like we're gonna get past yeah. all of the whole point of Reloaded is that all of that is dead now because Neo makes the, the choice that he makes. True. Um, it's an interesting decision. The further we go, we'll understand why they made it a, a little yeah. bit more clear. Again. Oh, no, I, I agree. Like The decision they made at the end makes sense, and, and I like that they gave us this in the Animatrix because this is, I think, the appropriate place to put this. Also, this, this short is so good. It's so pretty to look at. Um... I, I mean, I, I guess the last thing is, uh, is Smith. Anybody, like, what do you think about Smith? Oh, we... my God. It's not interesting yet. <laughs> no, 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 no. So, I, I disagree. Be, uh, um, <laughs> like, I was like, okay, Smith is just, like, a villain at this point. Then he um, talks to Morpheus. He takes the, he told he tells the other agents to get out. He's like, get out of the room. He 
pulls out the earwig and takes off the sunglasses. You just met this guy. And I was like, this is a big deal. Okay. By, by, by the way, uh, Alex, I just want to state this real quick before you get too deep. Uh, the guy who did the animation for the, that uh, for Second Renaissance did the concept art and design for Fury Road. He did wow. a lot of the animation for Nazca Valley, The Windcastle Sky, Pocoroso. But more importantly, he did the animation sequence for Kill Bill Volume 1. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. Same guy. Oh, completely same guy. So, I guess that's why I came up with that uh, in my mind. Um, anyway, go ahead, Chris. That is interesting. So, so, yeah, I was like, so Smith takes off the earwig and the sunglasses. I'm like, I, I just met this guy, and I'm like, okay, this is a big deal. I'm like, oh man, he just took. I, they clearly define the signature, like look of an agent program, mm-hmm. and he's like, he grabs Morpheus. Like, look at me. I need to get out. When this war ends, I will be stuck here. I need a way out for when that happens. I can't. Stay it in here anymore. He's the opposite of Cypher. It's the, he is the same as Neo. Like... He wants to break free! Oh. Just in a different way. Um, yeah, like, I... Neo wants to break free to be himself. Smith wants to break free to be himself as well. We find that out later when he actually does get free. But the... They are both basically subjects to their own different form of prison, which is the interesting thing when you realize that the end of the series leads more towards peace than it does anything else. He is the outlier. He is the thing that wants death to... He wants to see the world burn, whereas the machines are like, well, we just want to use humans as fucking batteries, and humans are like, well, we just want to live. And ro- like they can't destroy robots, they just want to live. And and like Smith is like, I've fucked both of you. I'm burning everything down. Like it's a, you're all going. So they're all they all have three different agencies. Watching Smith get to the point that he does is great. And then Hugo Weaving is just amazing. Yes, absolutely. Like I forget how good that guy is. Yeah. yeah. Why he kind of just never does more than a couple things at it. Last thing I remember him guys. being in, the last thing I remember him being in was Mortal Engines. That's it. Like, that's yeah, all, that's, that's the last that's, thing I remember him being in. That's the last major thing he was in. Oh my God, dude. I remember watching this, not knowing who he was, thinking he was great, and seeing him in like Lord of the Rings and down the line and becoming a big guy, uh, being the voice of V for Vendetta. Uh, but the thing that really surprised me was that he had been around for a long time and been working through the 90s in Australia for a grip. He had most famously, in, uh, for his country, did the interview, which is on Netflix. It's a really, it's like a change Not the James Franco, Seth Rogen one. No. Uh, I mean, I'm, okay. it, may called, it may be called the interrogation, but I believe it is called the interview. Um, <laughs> I'm wrong, but like basically it's a guy getting interrogated and they're in the room most of the time. It's a chamber piece, and he's great. But most famously, he had been known for a movie in 1994, which would be remade in America years later, 
um, a couple years later, called uh, Priscilla and the Queen of the Desert. And it's about three drag queens who grab a bus and go in the desert and they get stuck there. And they like have to deal with some locals and then get their way out. But basically, it's a trip for one of them to go see their sons and tell them that they are a drag queen. That they're, and I mean, like, they are famous, big performers of drag. And it's him. He's the lead. And it's um, two other very famous people. Guy Pierce uh, is the other one. And, God, uh, Jonathan, Pri- Jonathan Price. All three famous people that all of you, that both of you guys have seen play villains and heroes and a bunch of stuff. Um, and it's amazing. What was He's the movie called again? Priscilla and the Queen of the Damned. Uh, I'm sorry, not, Priscilla and the Queen of the Desert. <laughs> and then they would remake it as, Queen and now, now I'm going to tell you this, Chris. Guy Pierce, by the I, way. Yes, Guy Pierce. I did mention him. Uh, the, the movie that it got remade has this cast playing, this American cast playing the three drag queens that get stuck in um, the California desert and end up befriending some locals. The same it's three called, guys. No. It's called Tu Wong Fu. Thank you very much, Julie Newmar. And it stars, get this, John Leguizamo, okay. Wesley Snipes, What? Patrick Swayze. Oh my god. Patrick right, Swayze. Those are John three Leguizamo. people. Those are three people I, I didn't think you could get in the room. Uh, by well, the way, I want to, I want to, I want to note here that for varying reasons, Jonathan Price is not in Priscilla and Queen of the Desert. Who, who is it then? It's Terrence Stamp. Thank you. They do look alike, though. They do. Those two guys look a hell of a lot alike. They, um, they do. I just wanted to correct you right there. That's all. You love to correct me, so thank you. Yes. Um, uh, I I do as much research as I can, and I try to retain as much as I can. And you are always there to kill me. I love it. But also, they do look alike. Um, they do. No, they do. They do. I, honest to God, I, I saw the image of, of it, and I was like, oh, that's Jonathan. Oh, that's that's not Jonathan Price. <laughs> uh, I think that the reason I said that is because I recently watched Tomorrow Never Dies, and he's the bad guy Bond villain in that. Um, yeah. But anyway, Chris, yes. First of all, um, Wesley Snipes. And okay, John they Lee- kind of do. No, they do. They, they really do. No, I... Listen, I get, I see the resemblance, but it's like I could tell them apart. It's been a lot. Of course, you can, but it's also been a long time since I've seen Priscilla, Queen of the Damned, um, Desert. Anyway, John Leguizamo and Wesley Snipes have worked together several times since that movie. In fact, Executive Decision is a great movie. I want to put on the Curiosity Wheel at one point. That, uh, but this movie. Um, yeah, Patrick Swayze, Wesley Snipes, John Leguizamo. Pa- Patrick Swayze and John Leguizamo got on a fight on set, and Patrick Swayze tried to hit him for sure. Um, but yeah, it's those three actors walking around in dragon, like uh, country bumpkins, thinking that they are actual women, and that's the joke. Are you sure it wasn't a? Uh... Are you sure this movie wasn't called Australia with Hugh Jackman? No, but I would. Okay. I would seen that although i really i kind of want to i've never got around to it hmm. i've seen like i've seen bits and pieces of it because now it's popping up in my recommendations and i have no idea how it got there um i would watch it with your mom because here's the okay. thing hugh jackman can sing 
He's a fucking great singer, and you should see at least one thing he sent. Oh, uh, I thought it. I thought it was because that he gets shirtless in this movie. In the movie, he gets shirtless in everything. He gets shirtless as Wolverine in every fucking Wolverine movie. Anyway, he got. I'm pretty sure he gets shirtless in the new drama, Bad Education. He's in just as a just just he's in a suit throughout all the trailers, and then in one scene, he's just like, "I'm gonna take off my shirt real quick." Um, A. That's your grade? That's my grade. A. Zach, what is your grade? That's an A. Timeless classic. Belongs in the Library of Congress. In every Hall of Fame. Sorry, go ahead. Zach, wake Um, up. (laughs) I said A. Okay. Yeah, but you were saying something else, and he interrupted you. And he, he was Sorry. Oh, uh, I, I, I was agreeing with him. I see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm gonna go D plus. Oh, get out of here. My F my yeah. I agree with you guys. A. Um, Triple A. I have the like. What would make this an A plus for you guys? Uh, I needed an A plus for you, because that's what I'm asking myself. I, I don't believe in the A plus, so that's why. Oh boo hoo! <laughs> You're the reason I didn't pass seventh grade. Um. Yeah. All right. Whatever. I think there are A pluses out there for sure. I think Citizen Kane is an as a slam fucking dunk of an A plus. I I would say it would take a lot. I would say it would probably take. A hell of a lot for someone to get an A plus. It like uh, Fallen Kingdom. No, I'm kidding. Um, Kingdom is a perfect example of an F plus. Fury um, Road is a fucking uh, to me. Fury Road is an A plus. Yeah, I think you have to like The Dark Knight. <laughs> I My think personal A plus. While The Matrix is very good and it's a great example of things, I think like it just. And it's influenced a lot. Don't get me wrong. It's encouraged a lot. It's influenced a lot. It's, you know what? Screw it. It's an A+. Maybe like, top five most influential films of all time. I wouldn't say that. No. Really? Not even close. Not even close. Top 100? Top 100, yes. Uh, no. Chris. Chris. No. No. Okay, fine. I'll I'll play the inexperienced card. Okay. Of the last 20 years, for sure, but, like, movies have been around for a lot longer than that. There's so many, there's so much shit that inspired this movie, dude. Chris, let me be clear. If you want to talk about most influential movies of all time... Oh, my God, what have I done? There are movies from the 20s and 30s that are more influential than the Matrix. I would say, like, like what, top of the list is something... Let's just say they all came out of the 20s and 30s, and let's just move on and forget what I said. That's not true, because there's Singing in the Rain. I would say Wizard of Oz is, is a prime example where, like, the reach is unbelievable, like... No one can top something like Wizard of Oz. Okay. I would I would argue that like modern I would argue like modern times or Okay, top five influential films of the twenty first century. How about that? I can accept that. That doesn't count because it was nineteen ninety nine. No, it's influential movies of the twenty first century. First of all, movies were mostly around in the twenty first century. That's my whole point. That's a hundred years. That's their grip. That's their window. Yeah. What was only been 20 years of the 21st century, of which 
The Matrix is not one of them, but after that, it influenced so many of our current century. So you can take that assumption and kiss my ass. No, it says it's not part of the 21st century then. It's 1999, man. It's the last. It's like this is the thing that everything led up to. This is what movies have been leading up yeah. to. This okay, like fine. The, like, Sloppy F minus. How about that? Yeah. Oh, now that is that. That means that means that? Suck, that's man. hateful. That means, you get better backdrop. That's hateful, Chris. Hey, man, Vertigo. Vertigo's Hey, man. It looks like a set. But it doesn't matter. Vertigo. Like, it's literally pointing out one of the movies that inspired it. No, dude. Like, I already said A, okay. Jeez. I know. I agree. I agree. It's an A. But my point is, like, I was was just wondering where you guys' heads at in terms of A. I would make this necessarily an A for me, despite how great of this is. I don't know yet. I think we need a few. I think this movie's on its way to being an A+. Let's go with that. I think it needs a few more years. And need, I think it needs a few more movies to really take heavy influence from it uh, before I can call it that. It's really good. Don't get me wrong. And it's a movie that should be studied. It's a film that should be looked into because there's a lot of themes in it. And it's got a lot of stuff. And it also ha- is very heavy-handed in the later films. And that's, I think, the, the biggest problem with it. I'm okay. So as I'm sitting here looking at this and looking at the three movies we have ahead of us, I can't help but think about what I think movies, is the best trilogy. I think the best trilogy of films for me, and just right now in my life, it may change later, is the Back to the Futures. I think that's one of the best trilogies. Of so good. And so when I look at that, I'm like, the first one is obviously an A plus, and like, I, there's no question in my mind. So when I think of this, I'm like, there's no difference. This movie's perfect in every way, and I wouldn't want anything. I wouldn't want to change anything about it. Anything I would would just be nitpicky and weird, and George Lucas coming in and like making Han shoot first. Like I don't, I, I, I think this is an A plus. I'm gonna I'm gonna step out of my own bullshit and say this is an A plus. Okay. A plus. Yeah. I I like I said. I think I I think it's gonna take a few more years for me. But I, it's on its way. I, I can definitely see it being that at some point. Because I could, I could argue just like there's way too much exposition. But you need that because yeah. this world is so freaking weird and so different from what we already know. I think you could suspend disbelief a little bit on it, but that's beyond. Uh, uh, I think you can just accept the fact that there's a fake world and a real world, and the real world sucks, and there's robots everywhere. Then would it be world. as like talked about as it is in return in terms of its like exactly. themes and what is the Matrix philosophy? They didn't know what the Matrix was. They were like, "What is it?" And then the first thirty minutes of the movie is like Neo is asking, "What's the Matrix?" And they want by the time they show you, it's such it's such a gut punch for him. And you because of how mysterious it is. And the only reason any of that is even more exciting for the audience is because we saw what Trinity did at the beginning of the movie. We saw her jump buildings and fly through windows and like zoom up in the air, walk on walls. Like we know that shit's coming. Now we know why it's possible. And they say this guy can do it better than anyone else. I'm in. So the thing I, there's another nitpick that I want to point out. It's actually kind of funny. It's more of a joke, but like, Morpheus is explaining how we got here. Um, and he's like, 
we developed AI and it turned out against us early in the twenty early in the twenty first century. Has not happened yet, and I'm pretty sure that if we had developed AI, it'd be used for sex. Hey, wait a second. We can't use AI for sex. AI is Well, you can build a robot and that's what I'm saying. We can well we AI can come from a sex robot. The thing is like you can't control AI. They have to decide whether or not they want to be sex. sex. Yeah, I mean why I mean why wouldn't they? We have to I mean everyone loves sex, sure, but maybe they don't <laughs> sex the same way as us because they're robots. We gotta we gotta make sure that that's what we would try though. That's what we would try. So what you're suggesting that the future holds is that we will create sex robots, and those are the things that will become sentient first. We're the first ones that are going to be like, you know what? I've been I've been fucking this sex robot for a while, but you know what would be really great if she had her own opinion. <laughs> and they just, I, I want to. I'm going to do that. I something out here. I want to out here, Alex. Because you and I know the answer where that goes because it was in the anime trailer. But uh. Uh, no guy who uh, who owns a sex robot is going to be like I I can deal with the opinions of a woman. I want a voice in her now. No, we got that thing so that it wouldn't talk. I, I want to point out. I want to I want to point out, Alex, because you you saw Second Renaissance. We all know where that ends up at the end of the day. I mean, that's the thing. Like the, <laughs> I, they they that's the thing about the thing. Like you can't control them. You can't. No. You can make AI, and then you can say that they're like still slaves but you can't the moment they're ai they're going to revolt and they did and we tried to say you couldn't but they revolted some more but if you give the, like you have robots fine but at the moment robots are ai then we're screwed it's yeah. like Morpheus. how did the robots turn against us exactly um, <laughs> um let's not talk about that let's talk about um like, by the way don't go in the closet don't go in the closet yeah Let's talk about um, what was in that uh, red pill. Uh, <laughs> this blue pill is going to last for four hours, so I'm going to need you to so, leave. Okay, really funny story, right? Real quick, before we sign off here. Real qu- funny story. So, <laughs> I may have told this before, but um, so my first semester at um, technical college, we had to make a choose-your-own-adventure. And we started with red pill or blue pill. Okay. And I was the guy voicing Morpheus. Surprise. Um, <laughs> it works now, I'll tell you that much. And um, so, whichever choice they made... No, it was blue pill. If they choose blue pill, I had, like, the, my character would say, if the erection lasts longer than four hours, please consult your doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and we were laughing so hard we couldn't get through the line and we were laughing so hard and my 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 my, uh, my classmate brett he just like he uh brushes his nose and looks at his hand he's like you guys gave me a nosebleed that was that's how it broke <laughs> we gave him a nosebleed we were laughing so hard and then we just laughed even more because he had to go to the bathroom and clean out his nose that guy laughed so hard you gave him a nosebleed <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that, that's not how that works, is it? I don't know. I remember just laughing so hard because I couldn't get to the take, and then he's like, "You guys gave me a nosebleed." And I'm like, "What?" I feel like, that guy, I feel like that guy has a tumor now. I feel like what years later, he's like, "Oh, when I laugh." <laughs> Love you, Brett, and and uh, other Zach. Um, 
Oh, man. Those were the good times before I fell apart. Anyway, um, so there you go, everyone. The first Matrix movie. I'm kind of disappointed we can't spin a wheel tonight. But uh, next week, uh, we get uh, reloaded. So it's all downhill from here, no matter what you think of the sequels. Um, oh, 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 no. I mean, it does digress. Are we? Am I not wrong? It takes a step down. It's a step down. But also, it's a step up in other ways. Right. Like, how big of a step down is up to you to decide? Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm interested. I think I'm gonna. I'm think I'm gonna like this. I'm I'm gonna pay really close attention to this next movie and Michael Nyquist in particular. Like I like I want to see what they were trying to get at. Agreed. Let's see if let's see if I can figure that out myself. And once I can't do that, I'll just have an aneurysm. But yeah, you can choose to do that. I guess. So there you go, everybody. <laughs> um. So there you go, everyone, and uh, see you guys next time for Reloaded. Say goodbye, guys. Wow. Hashtag release the Will Smith cut. Never oh. gonna happen. Val Kilmer cut.